0: I guess we got to dig in here and do the show. (laughs) How are you, folks? It is a Monday edition. Week five. Damn, we're flying right by here. On Birds 365 with the Mac -Mac guys, I'm your host, Jody McDonald. He is the brand to the outfit, John McMullen, my partner here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, know how you uh, put in the hours over the weekend, Friday into Saturday, uh, Thursday into Friday into Saturday. What did you
1: do yesterday? I think I saw the sun a little bit for the first time (laughs) in six months. I I was out back doing a little yard work, stuff like that. It was a nice day for once. The the weather
0: was nice, but was it a nice weekend? Because the Eagles, uh, a nice Sunday, because the Eagles had as good weekend as they did in the NFL draft. Yesterday was going around to check everybody's opinion, and like... uh, Knows as everybody's got one on the Eagles draft, pouring out the grades, evaluating what they did as far as bringing in new talent, including some undrafted free agents, which I want to talk to you about today. Um, ranges vary from I saw a couple of A minuses, I saw a couple of C pluses, so that's a pretty good uh, differentiation between draft grades overall. And then we'll certainly get more into the weeds as we go. Uh, how would you rate the overall player procurement grade you put on Eagles for the last couple of days?
1: Well, uh, after the draft, I gave it a B minus here on the uh, YouTube Jacob media uh, network. So uh, I'm sticking with that. a b minus. i I didn't think you know it's a home run. Now, grades, we all know. I'd like to call them, you know, first reactions. It's uh, yeah, grades are kind of ridiculous, but everybody loves them. Everybody does them. So, I threw out the B-minus. I think they did some good things. There's some question marks. In a lot of ways, I look at that day, too. This is going to tell the story of this draft as a whole, because I think Landon Dickerson has a chance to be one of the best offensive linemen in this league if he's healthy right, long-term. And that's a big if. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's had two torn ACLs, uh, two ankle surgeries, a tightrope ankle surgery, which – is the same surgery that shut Lane Johnson down last year. Um, you know, that's that's pretty significant. On the other hand, Joe, do you say, though, no, this is an offensive lineman. This isn't a wide receiver. So you just brace him up. And, you know, when he's been out there, uh, he's been just spectacular. I know there's comparisons to Ryan Jensen. Uh, we're going to have our, our buddy Damo on in a little bit. Um, I know he was talking to Brian Baldinger. He, he compared him to the kid in Tampa Bay, I think, Ryan Jensen, um, who's just a big bully. Yeah, anybody who saw the Bucs run to the Super Bowl, that's the type of player he is. And then the small trade back to get Milton Williams, that's going to be controversial. You were bringing up uh, before the show because Aaron Robinson, where does he land? You know, not only do you need a corner, but he lands in the division with the New York Giants. And, you know, think about the first round, Jody. The, this Giants-Eagles thing, mm-hmm. you know, Giants jump ahead. Uh, Eagles jump ahead of the Giants to get Devontae Smith. They jump a little bit back. The Giants get Aaron Robinson. So it might not look big today because they're not high-profile players, They're third-round picks. But if Aaron Robinson turns into something and Milton Williams doesn't, that's going to be that's gonna be a tough one to take for Eagles fans.
0: You're right. Day two is the day that's going to generate the most conversation. We already had a chance to talk about Devonta Smith on Friday uh, here on the show after the big pick on Thursday night. You know I'm ecstatic about it because I think he's got a chance to be a star wide receiver in the league. Uh, the Eagles went away from their general philosophy of got to be in the trenches, got to be in the trenches because – At that point in the draft, no one from the trenches deserved to be picked. So they did the right thing as far as I'm concerned, but got back to their philosophy over the course of the next two days by building in the trenches and went there immediately with uh, Dickinson. Uh, Let me follow up with him on the injury front. Um, Yes, he's had more surgeries than four, five, six guys, it seems like. His entire career, he's been rehabbing from some kind of injury, and when he does and gets back out on the field, he plays like a first-round draft pick-level talent. It was a uh, kind of a boom or bust-type pick for the Eagles, which I didn't know that was the way they were going to go, specifically for me because their season this upcoming year probably depends on the health of a couple offensive linemen, li- linemen, returning Brooks, returning Lane Johnson. If those guys are healthy, the Eagles are going to be a much better team than the four eleven and one team that they <clears throat> threw out there last year. But they take another offensive lineman with physical questions. The Eagle overall, as an organization, have some questions about uh, injuries and having injured players and how they deal with injured players and get them back onto the field. Did you think there was any chance the Eagles were going there? We, uh, you, you and I have talked in the uh, however many shows we've done about the fact that y- you need to be uh, above board and forthcoming about the type of injuries that you're dealing with and the like. Hasn't always been an Eagles strong suit. Uh, was I was I got to tell you, I was pretty much floored by the fact that that was their second round pick.
1: Well, not the player I wasn't floored because he is that good. And think about the Eagles, a couple things. I mean, Jeff Stoutman is very close to Alabama. He was there at Alabama um, before he came to the Eagles. He was going to go back to Alabama this season uh, before the Eagles convinced him to stick around uh, in the transition from Doug Peterson to Nick Sirianni. So he's very close to that program. He's very close to Nick Saban. So he's got all the information you could possibly need about the kid. Uh, so that's number one. He also loves him as a player. Um, but the medical part of it is interesting because I got contacted by uh, somebody who used to be in the Eagles personnel department and said, you know, that's that's sort of a case-by-case basis. It really is. So if you think about and he mentioned a couple of players Jalen Smith uh Jay Ajahi, before he came here when he was in the draft DK Metcalf most notably he said those guys were treated like lepers for their medical issues they right. were they were day 3 guys maybe priority free agent guys as far as the eagles were concerned because of the con- uh, the injuries then you go back to Sidney Jones uh who tore his Achilles at his pro day the thing that's strange to me about Sidney Jones is he's a corner um, and Achilles, you know, that to me, okay, if you're a four got four, four guy, and that turns you into a four, or five guy, that's a concern. They didn't red flag him. Well, they wouldn't have taken him in the first round, but obviously they took him in the second round. Um, and here's the case with Dickerson again a part of it is the position, the offensive line, and the fact that you can run a five three. Okay, you tore your ACLs, not that big of a deal. You know Orlando Brown. We just talked about the big trade from uh, Baltimore to Kansas City. One of the reasons he fell in the draft because he couldn't run. Who cares? Where's he running to? It turns into a great offensive lineman. Um, now there's, you know, is he going to be the same player as Jason Kelsey long term? Who's maybe the best movement center of the generation? No, he's going to be Ryan Jensen. He's fifty pounds heavier, strong, but. The, the beauty of this pick, you could have the best center in football. We always talk about in Green Bay, Favre to Rogers. Well, this could be the center version of that, Kelsey to Dickerson, if everything works out. And, and he can play either guard position as well. So yeah, he can I, play anywhere on the interior.
0: Love his flexibility. But, again, we're dealing with injuries on the offensive line right now. Uh, you made a, uh, a well Thought out speech about how, well, injuries on the offensive line. You don't need to be a runner on the offense. Just get out there and block. Well, Lane Johnson can't just get out there and block. Brooks can't just get out there and block. These guys are on the sideline, not playing because of injuries. And that's what scares me about Dickinson. Yeah, all right, he lost a tenth of a second off his 40 time. But can he actually line up and play? Can he put the pads on on Sunday and get out and make plays slower than he might because he deal with an injury? No, certain injuries just keep offensive linemen out of the game. And that scares me about that pick. Uh, The Eagles have been a team, as you pointed out correctly, to throw the quote unquote red flag on them, which either drops them down their board or off their board. The amount of injuries that Dickinson had, uh, to me, I thought would push him down much further than the second round. Now, if he uh, misses two games in the next four years, they're going to look like geniuses. They got first-round talent in the second round, but if he misses 20 games in the next four years, uh, McDonald and McMullen are going to sit here and go, how did the Eagles not know that this guy was an injury waiting to happen?
1: Well, yeah, and by talking about, you know, the injuries, I'm, I'm talking about the rehab of those injuries. In other words, maybe a torn ACL affects a skill position guy a little bit more than an offensive lineman. Obviously, if you tear your ACL, you can't play. If you tear your Achilles, you can't play. So I'm not trying to downplay the injuries. They're significant injuries. I'm just saying from the medical staff's perspective, they're going to take into uh, account the position. In other words, it's easier for an offensive lineman to come back from significant leg injuries than, say, a guy who, who does have to run 4-3 or 4-4. That's a big part of his skill set or that makes him a successful player. But you're right. I mean, this is – this is yeah, uh, that's why I said this, this pick, even more than a Milton Williams pick, it will define this draft because I know, you know, you're getting a good receiver in Devonte Smith. And certainly when you compare him to what's here, uh, Eagles fans are going to say, wow, that's what a receiver looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know that, but I mean, you need more than that, especially when you're as talent deficient as the Eagles coming into the season, you need to get three or four contributors from this draft. If you get two, Really good players, one, two, and you have the opportunity from a, 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 a skill set, trade standpoint, certainly, well, then that's going to look like a, a really good draft in a couple of years. So I, I think so much of it hinges on, on, on Landon Dickerson. I really do. All
0: right, uh, let's move to that third round, second pick in day two where the drama got ratcheted up even more with the Milton Williams selection. The Eagles uh, traded back just a handful of spots to add an extra pick. At the time, I said, well, they must have a grouping of players on the board that are very close that they're willing to do this. This wasn't a move down a half a round, move down an entire round. This wasn't a massive drop down. It's just a small drop down to add an extra pick. Okay, this should work out well. And then they do that. They take Milton Williams to DT from Louisiana Tech. Okay, I checked his grades. Looked like that's about where he should have been drafted. They could use depth on the defensive uh, line. Okay, this pick makes a lot of sense. And then we get the video, which turned into a viral video <laughs> of the Eagles in their war room afterwards. Harry Roseman going around fist bumping any, everybody. He gets to Tom Dono, who's been a front office exec for the Eagles for a while now was pretty big wig around the league before he came here to Philadelphia and Tom Donahue looks like he wants to touch anyone on the face of the planet. Other than Howie Roseman, it was yeah. the most disingenuous fist pump I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And he gave it one. Yeah. His, uh, okay. Uh, so it wasn't too hard to put two and two together and come up with four that he did not like the Eagles move to trade down that uh, there was a particular player on the board yeah. that he probably thought the Eagles just needed to take. Don't worry about adding another sixth round pick. The Eagles had a plenty of picks to begin with. Um, and he was not afraid to show that on camera. A couple of things off this for me. Then I need your take. Shame on Tom Donahue. you got to know that. You're in that room. You've given yeah. the NFL permission to use your camera. You don't know whether you are or aren't on that camera. You have to believe that you are. And uh, I'm sure that there was enough conversation I had before the Eagles made the move. Your point was taken. Your point was dismissed. They decided to make the move. You have to get on board. So number one, shame on him. Uh, I I can't put it on Howie Roseman. I, again, we weren't in the room. Maybe you've got sources that have told you exactly how the lead up to that on camera moment that we got came down, but. They made a decision. We'll find out over time whether it was the right or the wrong decision. Um, but they made a decision, and then everybody's got to get behind it. I I, I know Tom who has been around a long time, and he's got a lot of gravitas in the league, and he's worked in a bunch of war rooms. But you can't do that. You can't specifically with this team that over the last six months has had as much said about their front office dysfunction, you can't put it on live display yeah. during the NFL draft.
1: I agree. And, you know, Tom's a, gen- a former general manager in this league, a two-time general manager. So uh, exactly what you said, he's got to know better. You know the cameras are in there. You certainly know the the narrative around this organization right now and that there's uh, disarray. We don't know the the chain of command. We don't know who's making the picks, who's chiming in. Are you sticking to the board? You know, one of the reasons you've seen some of the reporting we had Jeff McLean on recently. Uh, one of the reasons personnel guys talk is because they're angry, you know, and, and, and uh, because they do that seven months of work. We also had Andrew Bran on former executive with the Packers and, and, I, I thought Andrew had a crystal ball. If you go back to that, Jody, you was thought this is pre-draft. And he's talking about going off your board and how it takes the air out of the room. Yep. If you do that, the air got taken out of Tom Dono. The air, you saw the air get taken out of him in that moment. So the question to me is this is the only question, Jody. Was it about the player? And he liked Aaron Robinson better than Milton Williams. If if it's about that, it's not that big of a deal. That happens all the time. But um, I go back to your first point. He's got to know that as a professional, he's got to hold that angst in uh, until he's away from the cameras. B, if it's about the board and they went away from their board, then it's a problem because that's been too I won't say consistent, but it's happened too much over the past couple of years.
0: Right. And uh, again, I don't think uh, today, tomorrow, next week, the month after, the year after, we'll know exactly what the board said at that moment. I I just don't know if you'll get anybody. Dono was pretty upset, so he might at some point tell somebody something. But my guess is that they were all pretty closely graded. Donahoe, let's, uh, we'll, we'll make a for instance here. And if I'm off base here, please call me on the carpet for. Let's say uh, Robinson was a 6'4", that that was their grade on Robinson. And uh, the next guy was a 6'4.5". And the next was a, well, they were all probably pretty close. And Eagles uh, on their board saw, well, yes, we acknowledge that we're dropping down and we may be taking a lesser player, but it's not that much of a lesser player. So if we can add draft capital and get a six-round pick, it's worth it. We're not dropping from a seven to a six; we're dropping from a six point five to a six point five point five. And Howie Roseman made that judgment call. I doubt it was about the board. I think it was probably about how much is an extra six-round pick worth, as to how far we're coming down our evaluation on the player. Howie's got to make that call. Sorry, Tom, you used yeah, to be a general he's a manager. Charge. It's how he's called
1: how he's got to yeah. make that call. Right. I Yeah, I agree. And if it, you know, you very well may be right. I would also throw in positional value as well. We just talked about, and by the way, in day three, Howie said people are getting tired of we're taking linemen. Well, that's how we want a championship. I've been talking about this for a month and he said, flat out, that's how we're going to win another one. So, Devontae Smith wasn't a change in the DNA I always talk about. They hit pause to get Devontae Smith, yep. and then they took it off pause and went bet right back to draft linemen. So my take on it is probably they were very close. Uh, Blake Bettingfield was on. We had a, a former scouting director who talked about the vertical and the horizontal boards. So you do the positions. You have uh, each type. And it came down to me, probably, they probably looked at Aaron Robinson as a slot corner and said, we'd rather have the defensive lineman who could be uh, something of an impact down the line. That would be my guess.
0: And uh, it did lead to some drama, but I think it led to the Eagles getting a decent player At a position of need. Defensive tackle is a position of need. All right, he is uh, John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Mac and Mac on Birds 365. We're going to bring a third opinion into the mix. Joining us next is venerable Eagles beat reporter. He's been doing it for a while now. And Hall of Fame voter here in Philadelphia, Paul Domowicz, going to join us on Birds 365.
2: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
3: Field of life First trust bank is there for you
0: Seven, four, three. One, two, three. because
3: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local Union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with J Doc and Crousy every Saturday night from 6 to 8 pm. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
4: The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history.
5: Jody Mad. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
0: Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365 here on the jacob media youtube channel john McMullen and jody mcdonald here with you we will put a third voice into the equation here uh for johnny mack and i this is week number five so show number 21 which means we've got some catching up to do i believe our next guest has actually done more eagle drafts than we have shows here on birds 365 uh he's been doing it for a while covering the philadelphia eagles for the daily news inquire.com philly.com our buddy Paul Domwich joins us here on Birds 365.
6: How are you this morning, Damo? Uh, I'm doing great with two of my favorite people in the world. Uh, doing great. And thanks for reminding me how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> We're right
1: there with you, Damo. So, <laughs> let's get into it. First impressions. I think it's, you know, Devontae Smith, obviously it's Tom Donahoe a little bit. And it's,
6: uh, you know, injuries and and Landon Dickerson. Yeah, I mean, I... I I thought they had some good picks uh, day two was, was the problem I had. Uh, I know, you know, I did talk to Brian Baldinger yesterday and he is just drooling over Landon Dickerson and there's no questioning this kid could be a, a an all pro talent. Um, I just, the, the injury history in the second round after what they've experienced in the past with Sidney Jones and saying they would never do this again. Uh, I questioned that pick. And then I had a problem with the third round pick because they could have had Aaron Robinson. They not only lost him, they lost a good slot corner uh, or potential good slot corner. But he went to the Giants where he's probably going to be an immediate slot starting slot corner up there. And they got a guy. Milton Williams is an analytics pick. Uh, You know, can jump high, can run fast. I don't think he can play inside. Uh, You know, he gained weight because they were, you know, they were using him at 260 at Louisiana Tech and moving him inside and outside, and he was kind of getting beat up inside. Uh, I mean, he was better outside, and I think that's probably where he's going to make this team as ultimately as a, a, you know, a 4-3 end. So I don't think it really addresses the defensive tackle situation. Damo, uh, you mentioned how
0: if Aaron Robinson was the guy that the Eagles were thinking about drafting, traded down, watched him come off the board, he goes to the Giants. So the Giants won up them in that round, but the Eagles had won up the Giants in the first round by moving ahead of them to get Devonta Smith. Both teams will deny that uh, the guy that came off the board was the guy that they actually wanted, but we can stick strong to our beliefs the Giant Eagle rivalry is pretty damn good to begin with. Is it heightened? Is uh, that much more because of what's transpired the last couple of days in the draft? I'm sorry. Say that again, Jody. I said the Giants Eagles rivalry because of the back and forth of their draft maneuvers, picking guys off that maybe the other one wanted. Will that add to the rivalry of the Giants Eagles or was that forgotten as soon as they wrapped up the draft?
6: You know, I I think from the fan standpoint of view, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a, a thing that'll entice the the rivalry, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like if, if Aaron Robinson turns out to be a very good player and Milton Williams kind of dies out and we forget about him real quick, you know, you're talking about for the second year in a row, a comparison fans and, and critics can make you know, last year was Rager versus Justin Jefferson. You know, this year people can look at that Aaron Robinson pick and uh, have second guess, you know, second guess it if it turns out that way.
1: Now, the one thing I would say for the Eagles, perhaps, Dom, I'll throw this at you, is that you mentioned Aaron Robinson is probably going to be penciled in as a slot corner. And the Eagles really need that outside corner yeah. uh, opposite Darius Slay. So, you know, Avante Maddox did not succeed. At least you could probably kick him inside. Maybe he can hold up. So, Positional value, do you put that in the equation when you talk about Williams? And and it is interesting because I agree with you on the analytics part of it, and he's got very short arms. So yes. if they do want to play him at defensive end, that kind of raises a red flag in my mind. But positional value as a whole, defensive line versus slot corner, do you think that played into how he's thinking?
6: Possibly, although they insist that position meant nothing, but you're, but clearly this is a team that has always valued the offensive and defensive linemen. That's how they're, they they want to, you know. That's how they they built this team in the past. That's how they want to rebuild it now. So, and and McPherson, the guy they took in the fourth yeah. round, probably yeah. is more suited to uh, play outside uh, than Aaron Robinson. So, I mean, he'll compete for a job there faster than Robinson would. Robinson might have been able to step in and. And play in the slot, but you don't, you know, you don't want Avante Maddox outside anymore. We saw enough of that. Yeah, to he's either got to be a a slot or a safety uh, going down into the future. Damo, let me get uh,
0: with you about one of their day three picks, and that's the running back from Memphis, Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, Again, one thing that surprised me about the Eagles' draft overall was they're willing to take some chances. Certainly, the offensive lineman from Alabama's injury history boomer bust possibility same thing with gainwell a guy who sat out this year opted out but the year before was absolutely one of the best running backs in the country now he comes in here could be great could uh, set the world on fire could challenge sanders for the starting running back spot or he could be a guy who just never reverts to what he was before he decided to take a year off on football did you like the gamble the eagles took there
6: yeah, I like that pick a lot. I, I'm not even sure it's a gamble, Jody. I mean, I, I think this kid, you know, in today's NFL where your backs have to catch the ball, I mean, this guy's, yeah, that's, he was a, he was part slot receiver, part running back in Memphis, just like Tony Pollard and, and every other running back, you know, Antonio Gibson last year. And this kid was, this kid was, was ahead of Antonio Gibson on the depth chart two years ago in Memphis. And, you know, Antonio Gibson was a second round pick last year. So, uh, I think he'll help them. I think, I think he and, and uh miles sanders will make a nice rotation i still think they need a you know a a banger that can go between the tackles because i don't think it's going to be jordan howard i don't know how much he has left uh but you know they're not going to do a whole lot of that they believe you know i mean they want to be able to throw a lot to their backs and i think this guy will help them uh they'll, they'll rotate him and and miles now, Dama, what would you think about day three as a whole? A lot of
1: hybrid guys, mostly defensive picks. Other than Gainwell, it was all defense. A uh, couple undersized edge rushers. You have the uh, Jacoby Stevens from LSU who uh, played safety for the most part. The Eagles listed him as a linebacker. You look at the seventh-round pick, he played the edge. They listed him as a linebacker. Does that give us – any inkling about Jonathan Gannon wants to do? Is he going to change up things in the back seven a little
6: bit? Yeah, uh, I don't. You know, I mean, it I, I, the, it didn't surprise me that you know, the pick I like is Stevens. Uh, I don't. Every team in this league can't get enough of, of cover safeties now that can, you know, so that you can play uh, three safeties in, in sub packages. So I think that's where they envision him. You know, the two the two edge rushers. Uh, you know, they had production in college. Uh, so, I mean, that's – you know, when you get to the sixth round, you're just looking for guys that either were very productive in college or 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 have great measurables. Just one trait that you can grab onto and hope that maybe they turn out to be players. The tackle from USC doesn't do too much for me, and I don't – you know, he's he's a two-gap player that can't rush the passer. Uh, yeah, it looks like a two-down player to me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know exactly, you know, where they – yeah, is he gonna? Do they envision him rotating with Javon Hargrave on first and second down? I, I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't think he's gonna be a, a guy that you see ever playing a, a significant role.
0: Dama, one of the guys that the Eagles were able to get uh, to terms with as soon as the draft after, uh was the quarterback from Georgia, um, who yeah. I, I actually thought Newman was going to be drafted. I thought he'd be a day three pick in either the sixth or the seventh round. Didn't happen. The Eagles jumped on him immediately, got him signed. Again, another guy who decided to opt out, sit out, uh, had flashed prior to. So you get that very good upside. Uh, the Eagles did not draft a quarterback. Uh, we talk about they stick to their DNA and stick to the trenches. Well, part of the DNA is quarterback factory, and they always have to have a new one coming in. Didn't have, have to use a draft pick to get Newman. I thought it was a damn good sign. Doesn't mean the kid's ever going to be a quarterback in the league, but just from a prospect perspective, I thought it was a good move by the Eagles. How much are we going to see of Jamie Newman this uh, preseason?
6: Well, I mean, he's going to compete for the third quarterback job since say. They- don't have an, another quarterback. I, I like the signing. Uh, you know, he, he's got a lot of the same traits that Hurts had. I mean, that was the one problem I had with them bringing in Flacco. Uh, you know, if something happens to Hertz or you bench him, you're going from, from what he brings to what Flacco brings, which is not much mobility. Uh, so, you know, this kid, this kid's got, you know, I, I think if he had played last year, he certainly would have been drafted. Uh, so, I mean, I like that pick and I like, they took a wide receiver from, uh, his name escapes me, but a, a wide out from Florida. Florida, Travon Grimes, yeah. So, I'm assuming Brian Johnson knows, you know, yeah. is, is obviously is familiar with this kid, having been the offensive coordinator down there. So, uh, you know, it's, I, I think they kind of have an idea of how he might be able to compete for a job on this roster. Yeah, it's
1: good you brought that up. I was going to go into that. Uh, Travon, Paul is six foot four, so you look at this team needs an X receiver. I brought that up with uh, Nick Sirianni day one with Devontae Smith because they made a big deal about Devonte such a good route runner. He can do. He can play every position, and that's what Nick Sirianni believes in. But I kind of brought up okay. I will delete I'll buy that but even if you buy that that means the other guys got to move around and I've seen enough to them to know that they can't do that yeah so at what point do you have to start making sure you get people for the slot for the exposition and maybe that limits how you can use Devontae Smith am I crazy or is that legitimate?
6: No, you know, every time every coach we talk to, John seems to tell you, "Oh yeah, we move all our guys around." Now there's no one position, you know. We they have to learn all of them, and that never ends up being the case. They put them, you know, where their where where their strengths are, and I think that'll be the case with Sirianni too. Mm -hmm. Understood. But how about from a
0: quarterback perspective? Uh, We got a chance to see Jalen Hurts for a handful of games last year. Should have seen him for one more half. But I digress. Sorry about that, Nate Sudfeld. Um, he, he, I think a lot of that is determined by what your quarterback is capable of doing, how flexible you can be with your wide receivers. Is Hertz going to be able to flash the traits that he is, because of what he can do, going to be able to relieve some of the responsibility off the wide receivers as far as positionally and how they're
6: going to be used? Well, I think, I mean, the one thing about Hertz and, and and the moves they've made and the people they've got coming back is by the end of this season, we will have no question one way or another, whether Jalen hurts can play. I mean, he's, he's going to have probably one, you know, the line is back healthy. Uh, It's going to be probably one of the better and more physical lines in the league this year. So, I mean, he's going to get protection, which, you know, was not the case last year for either he he or Wentz Uh, and Devonta. I mean, he's getting a weapon that he knows that he played college ball with for a, a year or two. Um, and, and a guy that can get, is going to get open. So, I mean, you know, he's going to be able, There, there's no, there will be no excuse for Jalen Hurts this year. Uh, and I think Devonta, if, if Nick Sirianni is any kind of offensive coach, he'll find a way to get this guy open. And I think, you know, I mean, I think Devonta will make Jalen Rager a better receiver um, just because, you know, I mean, that's typically the case, but there's going to be so much attention paid to, to Smith, wherever they line them up, but it's going to create opportunities for Rager. You got Goddard in the middle and we still don't know what, what's going to happen. Was it Zach hurts? I doubt he'll be back, but uh, yeah, I'm still I mean, here, though. the kid's going to have receivers. The quarterback's going to have people to throw to.
1: Yeah. And um, l- let's continue on that channel in hurts vein and make sure you read Dombo, by the way, and in inquire.com that piece with, with Baldy was great. Breaking down the Eagles draft. Um, I, I I do want to bring up Jalen for the one thing that Justin Fields is on the board, Domo. I, I, I didn't think the Eagles probably didn't think that was going to happen. Now, they weren't thinking about quarterback, but does that make you do a double take and say, do we have to take this kid? I know you talk, talk to a lot of personnel people. We've talked to a lot of personnel people. To a man, when you asked about Fields and Trey Lance, and Trey obviously went number three, so it wasn't concern everyone said they just have much higher ceilings.
6: Did the Eagles not see that? They clearly went into this with, a, I mean, knowing what they were going to do if this situation presented itself. And even after the trade down, if, if one of those guys like Fields dropped to them, that they were not going to take them, that they've decided. I mean, I, all I can figure is that their approach is we're giving Jalen Hurts a chance to to, to prove that he's a franchise quarterback this year. If he's not – they have the ammunition next year to do something, whether it's draft a quarterback in next year's draft with those uh, two and possibly three first-round picks they'll have, trade for one, sign one in free agency. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't think they will – and I don't know what they think of Fields. I mean, my, my feeling about this draft is that, you know, the quarterbacks always get pushed up. Uh, you know, I love these kids like Fields and, and Trey Lance – but, I mean, there's five quarterbacks taken in, in, what, the first 12 picks. Three of them probably are going to fail. So, you, you know, you take Fields and it doesn't pan out. You're, you know, I mean, they've got something in Devonta Smith. Is, you know, he's, he's safe. He's probably going to be a pro bowler if he doesn't get hurt. I mean, you can't go wrong there. And then you just wait and see what you got in Hurts and go from there. I think you've got the right
0: read on it, Tomo. But the question is, do the Eagles have the right read on it? Let me go on record. I did it this weekend on my CBS shows. Might as well do it here. Uh, Justin Fields will be the best quarterback in Chicago (laughs) over the last... 70 years. Take <laughs> hey, it back to Sid Luckman in the 50s. That's yeah. how they've been of quarterbacks. It's not going to be a whole of a lot. Now, we all love Jimmy here in down. Came here, put the Eagle Green on, yeah. buddy, Ryan, blah, 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 won a Super Bowl. We all know, at least the three of us know, because we're old enough, that the <laughs> Bears won the Super Bowl. They did because of defensive Walter Payton, not Jim McMahon. So it doesn't take a whole hell of a lot to be the best Bears quarterback in 70 years I think he will be just that. And, yes, we'll be talking about how did the Eagles pass on field for uh, years to come. But that's <laughs> an, an aside. Uh, back to the Eagles. Zach Ertz is still here. I thought it was a foregone conclusion. He was going to be gone by the end of this weekend. Howie Roseman specifically asked about him, talked about great guy. He's under contract. We still love Zach Ertz. Was that all just a dog and pony show or... Are the Eagles going to actually try and mend fences, make this work, bring Zach Kurtz
6: back to this football team? Yeah, that's a good question, Jody. Uh, if, you know, if, if he wanted to come back, I think they would, they would certainly, I mean, there's no downside to bringing him back. Uh, you know, you, you, you keep him for the year. You let him become a free agent. You you get your compensation the year but in, the year after that, and you and go, <clears throat> go on with your life. And 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 Zach has a chance to kind of spend this year on a goodbye tour with, with the fans. But you know, he doesn't right now. He's kind of in the Carson Wentz situation. He didn't want to come back. He wants out. Uh, unless that changes, uh, you know they they they. What you don't want to do, given what he's meant to this team, what he's given to this team and community you don't want to keep him here if he doesn't want to be here. That's just a bad situation for both sides. Uh, But they're not getting anything for him. I mean, nobody's making, you know, any significant offers. I think they were – they're kind of hoping they could get a pick maybe next year for him. Uh, They traded away two late-round picks in the draft and got a fifth-round pick. You would think you could at least do that for Zach Ertz. Uh, Yeah. So I – but I I still don't think there's any way he comes back either because, you know – they, they they finally get some value for him or, you know, work out a deal where they release him. But I can't they will not force him back. I mean, he would have to say, OK, I'm OK with this. I'll play my last year and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Yeah. And it is interesting, Domo, because he's the Eagles players rep. And obviously the NFLPA has been wrangling about offseason work. And I know your colleague, Les Bowen, got in touch with him, asking him about that issue, and he didn't seem interested in it. So no, it doesn't seem like he's ready to return to Philadelphia or planning to return to Philadelphia. And you go back to the end of the regular season, you have that tearful Zoom press conference. Uh, it just seemed like the end. You look at uh, him and uh, Carson on the field uh, after the final game, uh, I don't see that changing, but he is a professional. If people want to hang on their hat on some hoe, he
6: is a pro. So maybe the Eagles can go that route. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think the fence is completely broken. I mean, it wasn't like they had an angry uh, dust up, you know, Uh, I I don't, I I think you're right. This, This is the kind of guy that you could probably talk a little more sense to as opposed to Carson, where you say, you know, it, it, even his agent will, will look at the situation and say, you know, this would be good. You know, you stay for one more year and, say, and, and it just ends well here. Um, but I think he wants to go someplace else. He knows this isn't a playoff team this year, probably. I think he'd like to go. He's probably got maybe two, at most, three years left in his career. If he's optimistic, uh, he wants to go someplace where he can play with a winner before he goes out.
0: All right, Domo, um, well, let me give you another hypothetical about a player who seems to be unhappy where he's at these days. Uh, Howie Roseman goes to lunch today, goes over to Chickie Pete's, grabs some crab fries, comes back. Uh, Secretary hands him a message that someone called while he was gone. It's Brian Kootenkuntz, the general manager of the Packers. And under the message part, it says, A-Rod. <laughs> and he has got the sheet in his hands and says, Should I return this call immediately? Should I hold off on this one, do a little research? The Eagles aren't going to – if they they didn't even think about drafting Justin Fields, they're not going to be interested in Aaron Rodgers, are they?
6: No, I mean, for two reasons. One, I don't know how you – where you fit them on the cap. Uh, And and, and two, you know, I mean, they're looking at a a retool here where, you know, next year, in 2022, they're starting to get better again. Uh, and, and, you know, he'll be at the end of his career. I mean, I don't know how many more years Rodgers wants to play. I mean, Tom Brady's kind of turned this whole age thing uh, upside down. But still, if you're rebuilding or retooling or whatever you want to call this, you know, you don't want to go with a 38-year-old quarterback. Yeah, but Damo, I
1: mean, you're, you're talking about rebuilding transitions you're winning 11 games with Aaron Rodgers like next year, like this year. If they I, I hear you with the cap. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Jody talks, and I joked with you when I was asking you to come on the show, get the Hall of Fame presentation ready for Devontae Smith. If Aaron Rodgers was here, you might be getting the Hall of Fame uh, yeah. presentation ready for Devontae Smith. That's how yeah. much better he makes receivers. And he makes guys like Robert Tunyon look like stars. Yeah.
6: Think good about point. what he would make an actual star look like. Yeah. Now, good point. I mean, this would be a uh, this would be a team that nobody would be saying isn't going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The, the cat. No, mean, just come back to the original. Oh, he doesn't here.
1: want to. Be, he's a West Coast guy. He Doesn't want to be here. That, yeah. That. Yeah, that sure. on
6: top of it. No. Yeah. I don't know what he thinks about hoagies. Uh, <laughs>
0: I think we could win him over on the hoagie end, uh, but uh, all the concerns you put forward, Tomo, are uh, on point, unfortunately. Um, after the draft, we got a chance to hear a little bit more from Nick Sirianni. Uh, the optional workouts, the voluntary workouts, which are being, I would say, fairly attended by Eagle players, other teams around the league less so. Eagles okay, but there's a whole bunch of people missing for the Eagles as well. Are the Eagles' new coaching staff, Getting some things in place. Do you think they're uh, being given a chance to implement the things they want with the players, as compared to the other teams in the league? Eagles in a better position or a lesser position?
6: You know, when you've got a new coaching staff and you're probably not going to have any OTAs, that's not a, that's not an optimum situation. Uh, you know, I mean, I know everybody raves, including the NFLPA, about the you know the the benefits of Zoom, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. Know, especially for, I mean, the guy that suffers the most is your quarterback. I mean, cause this is a guy who needs field time. who needs snaps with his, with his, you know, teammates uh, without any OTAs this year, no matter how much you meet virtually, no matter how much you're in the building there, if you're not out on the field, um, it I don't think it's a good situation for a team, including this one. Um,
1: I I forgot to mention it because we're talking about the draft, Domo. But I got to get also your first impressions on Nick Sirianni. I I mean, uh, obviously we 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 don't get to be there every day, but the energy, yeah, if the, the hands are going, the banging yeah. of the microphone, the table, the rock a paper little paper. bit of energy, rock paper scissors, all of it. Yeah. What what, what I I do like the energy. I yeah. I admit that. I think. You know, it was very important for the Eagles to get some juice in the building. They have this younger coaching staff as a whole. Um, There could be good to that, and there could be bad to that. And um, it's hard to say which way this is going to go until we get there. But just your first impressions on Nick Sirianni.
6: Yeah. I mean, as a person, I like him. Um, You know, I I think we're going to get along – fine with them as far as the media. Uh, although you never know what, you know, I mean, losing, if they end up losing a lot of games, that tends to, uh, create a tough relationship between the media and the coach. But yeah, I don't know. You know, I have, I have no clue on on if he's going to be a good coach or not. Uh, We just don't have enough of a, um, you know, a a history of him to know that, but you know, I I think the players are going to like him. Um, I think, you know, from everything I know, he's a creative guy. So I think he's going to he's gonna find ways to use all the weapons that he has. He's going to find ways to use those two running backs and and move them around the formation. And same thing with Smith. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with him. Uh, you know, we had an off-the-record uh, deal with him at one point. And I, I just said to him, I, the only thing I'm asking you is uh, two things I'm asking you. I said, "Don't lie to us," because we we get a lot of that from just about every coach that's come through, and uh, and and access. You know, just be there for us. Tell us, you know, same with your players. I mean, you know, it's in the Zoom world. Last year was a nightmare with, with respect to players. We got who they wanted to give us. Um, you couldn't really, you know, you never had a one on one, so you really can't um, have a proper interview with a with a person. You, you know, on these on the Zoom. Conference calls, we do. You get one question and then it's on to the next guy. Uh, So, I mean, I think he will be good in that respect. You know, whether he's going to be coach of the year, we'll find out.
0: And I'm not sure that it's going to be all that much more different this year. Damo, maybe in 2022, you guys can get back into the locker room. I think you're going to be Zooming your life away again this season. Sorry to say, but that's just my read as of right
6: now. I don't know about John, but Zoom has extended my career uh, (laughs) 10 years. I mean, I... It's like the designated hitter rule. <laughs> there you go. If it's working for you, more
0: power to you. And right. I got to note that uh, the one thing that bummed me out about the draft when it was over, I really wanted to know the one-loss record of the nine guys they picked in rock, paper, scissors against Sirianni. I can't believe <laughs> we weren't able to get that particular analytic out of the Eagles. But, uh, again, I, I digress, and I'm okay with that. All right, so they've got all their players, undrafted free agents and the like. We're going to get some workouts in for the uh, guys coming in. Again, not everybody going to show. What do you think the tenor is going to be when camp opens up? Uh, Jeffrey Lawyer used to restructure work. Howie Roseman refused to say rebuilding yesterday. Said, no, only retooling. We'll never admit to rebuilding. What is going to be the the vibe around Eagles camp when they do officially open non-voluntary work and the season gets underway? What do you think it's going to be?
6: I think there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, You know, we saw even on the Zoom calls at the end of last year, a lot of these younger players really took to Jalen Hurts. I mean, they were excited about him, excited about playing with him. And Jalen's kind of, you know, from everything I know about him at Oklahoma, it was the same way. I mean, guys like to play for him. Uh, So I think, you know, with the the transition here to a younger uh, uh, team, we're going to see that kind of enthusiasm, I think, early on. All right, Tom, a last one from me since I have you
1: here. I got to talk Hall of Fame. Um, Eric Allen, I think, would be uh, the closest, the next sort of eagle to get in there. But some other underrated, Seth Joyner, uh, very underrated player in my estimation.
6: Yeah.
1: Um, Just moving forward. And uh, I I would assume that uh, you think Eric Allen should be a Hall of Famer. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, it's tough to argue in any other direction. Why do you think he hasn't gotten that traction?
6: I'm not sure, Uh, especially after some guys like Aeneas Williams and a few others with similar uh, numbers uh, made it. You know, last four years or so, I've lobbied hard for Eric, sent sent out letters before, uh, you know, the early votes. And, you know, last year he made the final 25 for the first time, which I think was a step in the right direction. I'd done the same thing with Sam Mills pushing for him for several years and he finally made it to the final 25 and then he made it to the you know the final 15 and has been in the room the last couple of years. I don't know. It's going to be a while before I think he's got a shot at ever getting in. Probably might be by the time he becomes a, a eligible to get in as a veteran, but uh, same thing with Eric. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of years left before he's a senior committee guy, uh, but, You know he deserves. You know he. I I think he's he's good enough to be a Hall of Famer. You mentioned. You you know you mentioned Seth. I mean, Seth. Seth's I've talked to his wife online about his candidacy, and I said you know just. I said I I think he belongs in. Right. He's he he belongs in the room for discussion. I said, but I can only do this one at a time. (laughs) If I push too many guys, they just. Yeah, yeah. It's like. so I've been pushing Eric and, and I said, Seth's next in line here. But, and, 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 but uh, the, clearly the next Eagle that should get in is Dick Vermeil. Um, you know, this year they'll be putting it, the, the coaches have gone into a uh, contributor uh, area now. So you, you, you don't have, they don't have to compete with players, but they're like last year they took two this year that I think they're only going to take one. My guess is it's between him and uh, and, and, and Mike Holmgren, um, I hope Dick makes it. You know, I mean, he, the problem is you can't convince people what he did in Philadelphia. I mean, what he started with. Yeah. That team was so bad. No no picks above the third round for three years. Yeah. And he turned that team into a Super Bowl team. Uh, and then retires and comes back and, uh, you know, wins a Super Bowl and, and with the Rams. So, I mean, I, I think that's – but I think in the next year or two, Dick Vermeil will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, so, that, you know, that'll be good. That's good to hear. Uh, Damo, last question for me
0: is something John and I discussed in the first segment of the show, and it's certainly a major topic of conversation here. The angst in the Eagles' war room over the weekend became a major viral video. Harry Roseman and Tom Donahoe reacting to an Eagles pick and the like. Just give me a general opinion on what transpired there. Is it something that Eagle fans should be up in arms about? Oh, my God, everything that's being said about the dysfunction is right on. Is it the heat of the moment, war room, you make a pick, guys get a little on edge, and then a round later it's forgotten and you move on and you rebuild your team. Um, A big deal for the Eagles or a big nothing burger? How would you... Uh, relate to what happened in the draft room over the weekend?
6: Well, the exchange itself isn't a big deal, Jody. Uh, you know, we've all been around this league long enough to know that this kind of thing goes on in every draft room every year. I mean, like I wrote the other day, you know, Bill Parcells and George Young used to practically wrestle on the floor. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how you know they, they would differ on just about every player George picked. Uh so the, the difference is there's not a camera camera there look catching it on there. Um and I think this is you know, I mean, Tom and, and Howie have had a good relationship. Uh he brought Tom in for God's sakes. So I, I, I think from that point there's you know, it's overplayed. But the the, the 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 reason they were at odds was the Aaron Robinson situation. And that is a big deal because if Aaron Robinson turns out to be a player and Milton Williams doesn't you know, that's just going to hang there for a, a long time. Dama, we appreciate
0: you coming on, getting up early with us. Um, yes, may Zoom extend all our careers yes. for that many more years. He's been covering Eagles for a long time. I've been talking about it. McMullen's as good at it as anybody we know. Uh, we appreciate your coming together with us today, and we will certainly be tapping into your expertise again.
6: Thanks for having me, guys. That is
0: Paul Domwich, a fellow Marlton guy over here in Jersey. He and I actually wouldn't have to do them. We could meet at the park. It would take us each about three minutes to get there. Uh, Never a bad thing to talk Eagle football with Paul Domwich. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. You're tuned to Birds 365. Come right back.
2: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.
3: field of life first trust bank is there for you
0: Seven, three. One, two, three. because
3: philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank the international brotherhood of electrical workers local union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with jay Doc and krause every saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
4: The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history.
5: Jody Mad. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network.
0: It is the Mac and Mac guys here on the Jacob Media Network. Birds 365 coming your way. (laughs) Got to thank Paul Domowicz for hopping on board. Always good to shoot the breeze about Eagles football with Paul Domowicz. We'll talk Eagles football and a little overall National Football League as far as the draft goes grading with Connor Orr, one of John's compatriots from Sports Illustrated. I think he gave the Eagles an okay grade for their draft over the weekend. we got Connor up here about 20 minutes from now, somewhere thereabouts. And I need to make an announcement, John. Uh, Zandra, our producer, said, make sure you get this out here today, Joe. We are having our first giveaway. I don't know if it's tied directly to uh, Birds 365, but certainly for the Jacob Media channel. Um, We're giving away, not one, not two, ten Devonta Smith jerseys. The first printing of Devonta Smith jerseys, number six in Eagle Green. We will be giving them away about seven, uh, nine, nine days from now. The day of the NFL schedule release, which is next Wednesday, the 12th, uh, we will be giving away 10 Devonta Smith number 6 Eagle jerseys. Big day here on the channel leading up to uh, the reading of all the games the Birds got coming up. I got to find out that date for Eagles-Jets. Game 17 is Eagles-Jets. Doesn't get any better for a guy like me. And I got tickets because it's a Jet home game Now I'm
1: interested, how does the preseason work now? You know, we scaled back the preseason. So that Eagles-Jets final preseason game, that's a tradition unlike any other. Any other, yes. Uh, I've I've been to too many of those games, as a
0: matter of fact. So have I, Uh, trust me. Be it at the link and or up at uh, MetLife Stadium. Um, true, uh, it means the Eagles and the Jets probably will not be playing early in the season if the NFL schedule maker has anything to do with it. Right, they're down to three. My guess is that one will stay and it will stay as the last regular preseason game, which means you get to see all those guys clinging for a job. No yeah. starters, and it really means Jamie nothing. Newman play uh four quarters, you're gonna get minimum of three, could get yeah. all four, you could be right. Um, but uh the giveaway jersey for Devonta Smith. You gotta be a subscriber to the YouTube channel. If you're watching us via YouTube, even if you linked in via Philly.com, you are and on the voice. YouTube com. channel. Make sure that you go to the description of the show, click on there, they will give you the instructions as to how to. Register and you could win a brand new Devonta Smith jersey. Did I say ten? I think I meant. I think I meant nine. Xander, make sure that you keep one aside for Jody McDonald because nobody talked up Devonta Smith as much as I did leading up to the draft. I got to get me one of these jerseys, so put one aside for me, or please order another one. I'll send you a check if I have to, whatever. I need a Devonta Smith jersey. You need a Devonta Smith jersey. So make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Make sure you do register to win. We will
1: announce the winners on May 12th, the day of the new NFL schedule. I got to be objective. So you don't have to hold one for me, Xander. So it will be nine now, but it'll actually be 10. But, you know, number six jerseys and – I got to be honest, number six in this town is reserved for one player for me in, in, in the rest of time. And that's a different sport, but that would be Julius Irving. So whenever I see six, that's who I think of.
0: And you know what the funny thing is, not to get too far afield from the, the Eagles, and we'll get back to them in a second. Julius Irving's number was 32.
1: Yeah, in the Nets, yeah.
0: Right, because I started following Julius Irving. Kid mm-hmm. out of Massachusetts, I'd barely mm-hmm. heard his name, started watching Nets ABA games. Who the hell is this guy, Dr. Julius Erving? I didn't really know all that much about him. Now I watch a play say, Oh, my God, this might be the most entertaining play I've ever seen in my life. So I was a big Doc fan before he ever got here to Philadelphia. And I remember him wearing 32. You're right. Here yeah. in Philadelphia, he was six and is probably going to always be the number one six player. I don't even think Devonta Smith can get into uh, the Docs neighborhood when it comes to Philadelphia recognition. But um, that's a good point by you, uh, JM. All right, let me ask you about uh, Devonta Smith. I did some interviews over the weekend, certainly on draft night. He said all the right things to me. Sometimes you formulate an opinion on a guy, uh, you never get a second, first impression. My first impression of Devonta Smith was a pretty good one. I had one prior to the draft, and then he officially became a Philadelphia Eagle. I think he said all the right things since. You good with Devonta Smith and uh, what he brings here to Philadelphia, uh, in addition to all his abilities on the football field?
1: Yeah, he seemed to come across uh very well. Everybody talks about him, uh, like what a hard worker he is, how tough he is. You know, I think one of the interesting things about Devontae Smith early in his career at Alabama is even though it was only for a couple practices, Jody, uh, they moved him over to the defensive side of the football to take a look. They had so much talent at wide receiver. Uh, and he was willing to do it. I think that's a positive thing. That's what The people in Alabama say, and there's the concern about the 166 pounds, but there's no concern over the toughness and the fact they always point to that. This guy's willing to play defensive back if you need him to. So uh, the durability has been there at the college level. And we'll see. That's my only concern. I said that from the start. I think it's a legitimate concern. I do think you have to look at history. There's not a lot of comps of uh, receivers that small. Uh, being that successful, but there's a few outliers, and I think Devontae Smith is going to be an outlier. One of the things I do want to
0: talk about with Conor when we get uh, him up in about oh, 15 minutes or so uh, is the other teams specifically in the NFC East <clears throat> as far as the draft goes. Um, I actually am okay with the draft that the Dallas Cowboys had, uh, they didn't get the corner, but if you believe that the Eagles were looking for a corner and they both came off the board before either had a chance to make a pick, read some people, uh, suggest over the weekend that the Eagles actually we're targeting Devontae Smith the entire time, and uh, we're just no, they're going to say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Everybody says that. Don't know if I believe it or not, and same thing's coming out of uh, Cowboy Camp. Well, no, the guy we always wanted was Michael Parsons. Not only yeah. do we get the guy we wanted, we got an extra pick out of the Eagles and got the guy that we wanted. Well, we'll never really know, but I do think Parsons is a hell of a player, and he could upgrade that Cowboy defense. Uh, The Giants, I thought, hit some winning picks. Yes, I think the Eagles stuck it to them by moving ahead of them and getting Smith in the first round. But I really like their trade down. I think they got a lot to move down in the first round. Dave Gettleman had never done it before in his life as a general manager, but he seemed like a guy who knew how to uh, milk it for all it was worth for what he made Chicago pay to be able to get up and get uh, fields. The only one I don't have that great a grasp on is the Washington football team's draft but I thought the Cowboys and Giants did well I like the Eagles draft I think the Eagles upgraded talent across the board but I think the other teams in the NFC least also did pretty well on these last three days of picking new
6: players
1: yeah, I mean the Giants, I think is one of those things where I think the first round, you know, people pay so much attention to the first round. Obviously, Jody, I think it's going to affect how they look at that draft because I yeah, it's pretty evident they wanted Devontae Smith, the Eagles uh division rival, were able to work with another division rival to go jump ahead of them and and steal that player. They do go back. They I think the value is there, but I look at the player and I said it, I just I didn't think throughout this process, Kadarius Toney was a first round pick. I thought they reached a little bit there trying to get a similar player that they wanted in Devontae Smith. And I think he's not that guy. I think Devontae Smith is so refined as a route runner, whereas Kadarius Tony is um, more of a manufactured touch guy. And those types of players always scare me, Jody, because it puts so much pressure on a coaching staff to always have that check mark as a 40 seconds are going off the clock. I got to get this guy involved. He's dynamic, but you can't do it in the normal fashion of an offense. So that's my concern with that pick. And then we've talked a lot about the Aaron Robinson pick. Look, I think he's going to be a, a, a real good uh, slot corner in this league, but there is some limitations as far as value. And we talked about that. Uh, but yeah, I think that this it's going to be so interesting for the rivalry, um, and the same for the Cowboys and Eagles because what we talked about last week after the first round, I mean that's going to be awesome if if Micah Parsons, as I said, is here tearing it up twice a year against the Eagles or vice versa. It happens with Devontae Smith killing the Cowboys. That's going to create some interesting. Uh, Storylines, to say the least. Here's the reason why I thought the Giants did a good job,
0: uh, and you're right in your description of their first-round draft pick, uh, Kadarius Tony. I did see someone who I respected over the weekend say they thought Kadarius Tony was the equal of Devonta Smith. Uh, you know, I can't agree with that, uh, but just the fact that they would even uh, register that in the same neighborhood tells me that they like Tony a lot. We'll see if the Giants are creative enough to be able to come up with enough plays. And here's the reason why I don't think you're going to see it right away with them. The Giants have a lot of receivers now. They've got a ton of guys on the outside that can potentially make plays for Daniel Jones. Now, here's my issue. I don't think Daniel Jones is any good. I yeah, think I know. after right? this year, the Giants are going to be, uh-oh, we need to get back in the draft. it would be really interesting if uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't have a very good year. And the Eagles are in the mode of, well, we got to go back into the draft and get our quarterback. The Giants now have a lot of draft capital because of the trade they made with the Bears. The Eagles have a lot of draft capital because of the deals that they've made, these two teams could be battling for who's going to have the right to draft Keedon Slovis this upcoming <laughs> season. And we'll see how that actually works out. But um, Tony is a talent, but can you find a way to use him? And I really do like not only the one – But the two cornerbacks they took in this draft, Aaron Robinson, who we've been talking about, could the Eagles have taken, should the Eagles have taken him, he's only going to be a slot corner. We'll see all that. But I mentioned to you last week with Darius Williams from Oklahoma State, a guy who I thought was a better than day three draft. I said he'll probably fall down to day three, but I look at him as a third round talent. He fell all the way to the sixth round. The Eagles took a couple cornerbacks when they could have taken a kid like that. I was surprised he fell down there. I'm not sure what the knock on him was. But the Giants got themselves two pretty darn good cornerbacks. I think guys who can make the roster and step into the lineup and play, that's a pretty good draft uh, haul on draft day when you only have, the Giants only made six picks. The Eagles made nine. The Giants
1: only had six. I think the Giants used their picks wisely. Yeah, well, when i look at the Giants draft to me, I'd, I'd look at the second-round pick, and I thought that was a great pick because coming in, and that's uh, Aziz Ojolari, Oz- the edge rusher from Georgia, they really needed an edge rusher. You brought up, coming into the draft, I I thought their receivers were fine. I, I didn't necessarily think at 11 they were going to go receiver. I just didn't believe it. I thought they would be the team – that would take the first edge rusher off the board, whether it ended up being Quiddy Pay or whether they believed in Jalen Phillips. That's how desperate I thought they were to get an edge rusher. So, when a kid like that falls a little bit, most people had Ojalari as a first round pick, probably somewhere in the 20s, but nonetheless, you get him all the way down at 50. I thought that was their biggest value pick. I thought that was their best pick. In a lot of ways, that's why I said, Everybody talks about the first round. I think this is going to be a stain on them for a while because of the first round. But then it, it, it in other words, showed if you reverse that to me, I'd be fine. If they took Ojalari at 20 and took Tony at 50, <laughs> I'd say it's a great draft, especially at the top. And, and so maybe it ends up that way. Uh, uh, and you have Tony as a decent, as I said, manufactured touch player, but, you know, in, in in small doses, you sprinkle him in because he's not going to be able to me to be that three-down receiver. And if O'Jolari turns into the 12-sack guy, yep. hey, he's the first-round pick in my mind.
0: Right, and uh, after the pick is over and done with, after the draft is over and done with, two years from now, we kind of forget who was picked and what's round. It's just yeah. he's a giant, he's producing The Giants picked him, he can't play. It doesn't matter as much as where you took him. It's what they are actually capable of doing on the field. I thought the Giants had a good draft, even though they didn't have as many picks as some other teams. And one of those teams is the Cowboys, who made 10 picks in this draft. Uh, We know what their uh, first pick was, and I think Michael Parsons has a chance to be a star player. But they just kept adding picks along the way, they decided to go quantity maybe over quality you got enough of the guys out there you have the chance to hit on one of them Uh, i think there were a couple of guys there on the cowboys draft including uh cox the linebacker from yeah lsu who i I like the only thing i didn't understand was you took parsons and uh they, they kind of duplicate the kind of play they can they're going to move one of them to the outside that's for damn sure but Uh, I thought the Cowboys actually had a good draft, too. I think the whole division had a good draft.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think we'll get to the Washington football team. I think they had added the most talent overall, and I think they had 10 picks as well. But um, with the Cowboys, you mentioned, I mean, it's been late der Esch and Jalen Smith for a number of years, two really talented linebackers. But it looks like Smith is descending as a player. Vandoresh uh, just says, we we always talk about red flags in the NFL, neck injuries, red yeah. flags. I mean, they can't count on him. So all of a sudden, I think Parsons and Cox, I mean, they're going to play and play a little bit more quickly than most people assume, even Cox. And then the Washington football team didn't love, I th- thought they reached for <coughs> Jamon Davis a little bit, the linebacker from Kentucky in the first round. But after that, Jody, I just loved it. Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle from Texas. Benjamin St. Just—that That is the long, lengthy corner, outside corner I wanted the Eagles to take. And, and Dynami Brown, some people, they got him at the back end of the third round. There were some people in this league that thought he would sneak into the first round at really late, and they were able to get him in the third round. I, I, I thought the Washington football team did a really good job uh, adding talent, and it tells me one thing. Ron Rivera was in charge. Daniel Snyder kept <laughs> out of it. If that's the case, Ron Rivera knows what he wants, and
0: uh, yes. That's probably why they went offensive tackle in the first round. They needed the bulk up there, even though Rivera, of course, is a defensive coach. He acknowledged, all right, there's a guy on the board that we think fits the value that we're talking Well, they got about.
1: Davis in the first round, but they got Cosme in the second round.
0: Right, And and to me uh Davis was, you're right, a defensive player. Um, but Cosme was the more debatable yeah, yeah. choice of the two. So that's why uh, I think Rivera showed his flexibility if he was the guy running the draft. It's going to come back to quarterback play. I just finished talking about what the Eagles and the uh, Giants could nice. be looking yeah. at as far as the competition goes. Washington's in that same exact boat.
6: Yeah.
0: Are you telling me that you think Ryan Fitzmagic is going to be Fitzmagic in the nation's capital for the next three years? I don't think so. Yeah, he's they a gotta... place,
1: placeholder at best. He's he's my, my one of my favorite NFL jokes. What what are your favorite bridges, Jody? I say Golden Gate, Brooklyn, Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> best best uh, bridge quarterback of all time. There are going to be times this season where Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns and you're going to go Fitz magic. And you're going to say, wow, if you just keep this going, but then it's going to all blow up. We all know that. And that's the, uh, the problem is consistency. Yeah. They need to find the long-term answer at the quarterback position. Everybody in this division needs to find that answer with the possible exception of the Dallas Cowboys and even the Cowboys, you have a guy coming off a serious injury. So it's not exactly concrete at the game's most important position in the NFC East. With the proliferation of legalized wagering these days, someone's
0: got to come up with a line on over under, which happens first uh, Ryan Fitzmagic's four-touchdown game or Ryan Tragic's three-interception <laughs> game. It's going to be one of the two. We just don't know which one's going to happen first. Uh, and I've never asked you about this, not since... I don't know if I've ever asked you on any of my radio spots. I had to going into the uh, last game of the season. What are your thoughts on Taylor Heineke, who they not only retained but gave a multi-year contract to and then went out and signed Magic slash tragic Anyway, um, he did keep them in the game against Tampa Bay in the playoffs this year. They didn't win, but they did stay in the game, and he was okay. He kind of came out of nowhere, uh, kicking around forever. Is he just a backup? Could he actually outplay Fitzmagic this year? The Redskins made a
1: quasi-commitment to him. What was your read on him as a QB? I think he's a good backup. You know, he was in Minnesota, and I have a lot of contacts there. He actually was set to be the backup there, and even uh, he had a weird uh, 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 accident. He got locked out of his house. He kicked in a glass door, which is ironic because he's he's always been regarded as a very smart kid. Well, it's not a good idea to kick in a glass door. Uh-oh and he slit his uh one of his tendons in his leg, and that really set him back. Um, but he's undersized. I mean, there's limitations there. But you saw in the playoffs, he basically came off off the street two weeks later, he's starting, and he was really competitive. Yeah. And he can do some things. And he was on, as I said, before that injury, he was on a an upward trajectory, but it was always about, being a good backup quarterback. I I just don't think he has the skill level uh, to be an NFL quarterback over 16 games. I I do think he'll turn out to be one of the better backup quarterbacks. In fact, reminds me a lot of Case Keenum, who's been um, a great backup quarterback in different slots and had the one really, really good season in Minnesota when Sam Bradford got hurt. Reminds me uh, of Case Keenum.
0: That's uh, funny that you mentioned that name. I don't even know this. I should know this if I'm the host of Birds 365, but that's why I got you as my partner. Did Case Keenum sign with anybody this year? Is he on anybody's roster?
1: He's got to be. I got to look it up, though. Yeah, Uh, I I would have to look it up as well. I should know where Case Keenum is. I should know, too. That
0: tells me I don't think he's signed. I think he's still sitting out there. Um, and yes, you're right. He's had some. Uh, every time they try and elevate him as a starter, it becomes too much. But if you just keep him in that backup role, he is a fine backup. Cleveland.
1: So he's in Cleveland with really? Baker Mayfield. Yeah.
0: I did see. I didn't know that. Shame on me. That's why I have you to look up these things real quickly. Uh, he's good like that. He is John McMahon. I am Jody McDonald. We are the Birds 365 guys. Uh, coming up next, Connor Orr, who covers the entire National Football League for Sports Illustrated. He put the draft grades out for all the teams this weekend. Johnny and I just gave you our quick reads on the Cowboys, the Redskins, uh, excuse me, the Washington Football Teamers, uh, and the Giants. Uh, We'll get an entire National Football League left with an eagle slant from Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. joins us next here on Birds 365.
2: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation. And we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way.
3: field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank the international brotherhood of electrical workers local union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with jay Doc and krause every saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
4: The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history.
5: Jody Mad. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
0: day after the NFL draft, well, I mean, I was yesterday, but we only do Birds 365 Monday through Friday. That's why you've got us, John and Jody McDonald here with you on this Monday get-together. We've already done some pretty damn good analysis on the Eagles draft. We're going to get a third opinion on what the Birds did and kind of jump around the National Football League and see which teams really killed it this weekend on the NFL draft. Here to help us do this, one of John's compatriots from SI, Connor Orr, joins us here on... Bridge 365. Connor, Jody Mack and uh, Johnny Mack here. How are you today, bud? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Hey, thanks for joining us, Connor. Do you want to get, obviously, grades are kind of a necessary evil in this profession. I always like to call it first impressions, but we'll start there before we get to the Eagles. Who do you think did the best uh, uh, over the weekend, over the three days of the 2021 NFL Draft?
7: Well, it's hard, right? Because, you know, the inclination immediately is to just give the best grades to the people who like drafted the most guys that we heard of going into the draft, right? right? And we're familiar with. But um, I think, um, you know, while that was my knee-jerk reaction to give the Browns probably the best grade in this draft, the the deeper that you went, I do think the better that they they did. And just in terms of value, you know, JOK from Notre Dame, that was a first-round player. And that's a guy that I think, grades out particularly well for them because in that division, you're going to need a guy that can spy Lamar Jackson, that can cover all those tight ends in Baltimore. So I thought that was a great pick to get Newsom um, from Northwestern and really shore up that secondary on paper. That could be the second, third best secondary in the NFL right now. And so they did a lot of that sort of fine tuning that they needed to do, I think, to put them over the top and bring them to the next level.
0: Uh, We just talked about a couple other Eagle rivals in the NFC East. Personally, I think the division did well across the board. I like what the Eagles did, but I thought the Cowboys uh, had a good quantity draft, got a lot of players. The Eagles had a good, uh, excuse me, the Giants had a good quality draft, got draft value by trading down in the first round, but then hit on their picks. John just said he liked the Washington football team's draft. Best, as a matter of fact, within the division. How do you think the NFC East overall did?
7: I thought it was really interesting, and and someone called what the Giants did noble. I mean, Dave Gettleman, there's no assurance that he's going to be around to spend that first round pick next year. You know, if if things mm-hmm. go south, and to do that the way that he did, and to kick back a, a draft pick into a much better 2022 class, or at least we're going to know more about these players, um, I think was a really smart move. And then you know, it just kind of icing on the cake to have Azizo Jilari drop to you in the second round. Um, you know, I I think he checked a lot of boxes there. Kadarius Toney, that seemed like a little bit of a luxury pick, right? You know, maybe you would have tried to do what Philly did, and I think Devonta Smith is better than him and gives you a better, uh, you know, kind of option for Daniel Jones. But I think they did a nice job checking off boxes. But I agree with John. I thought that, Washington's draft was fantastic. And I think the best thing they did was not chase that quarterback, you know, and, and just, you know, you let Ryan Fitzpatrick work for a year. He's won 10 games in a season before, um, you know, and I think he could do it again with this team that all of a sudden, you know, they can control both lines of scrimmage in a division. That's just not very talented at this point. And I think they could win the division again this year.
1: Yeah. Connor, it's interesting. You bring up the giants before you came on. I I kind of made that point that, I, I look at Kadarius Tony as a manufactured touch guy, and I think that's really difficult for coaches to keep getting back to it. Uh, you have to sort of check market and say we got to get this guy involved. But uh, Ojolari, I think most people thought he would be a first-round pick, you know, in the 20s. So if you flip flop them and you got Ojalari at 20 and Tony at 50, then I think people would look at it and say that's a better. That's a better haul. It's interesting the impressions you get from the pedigree of the player, first round versus second round.
7: I agree. Uh, if they, that's a great point. You know, if you would have switched that, I think Giants fans would have been uh, building a statue of Dave Gettleman outside <laughs> of the uh, outside of the thing. But I, I thought they did really well. And I think, uh, you know, what's interesting too is you can see some of the um, – some of the touch uh, of Joe Judge getting involved here in personnel, which I think is a good sign for them. You know, so for so long this was Dave Gettleman's vision, and you know it's big people beat spit, you know small people, and now you're starting to see a lot of hybrid players. Ojulari is kind of best fit for that three four, which the Giants don't have a lot of those guys, and then you know later down in the draft you get someone like Ellerson Smith who is bigger, you know, in that 6'6 six, six frame, but can still do a lot of that hybrid stuff too. So I think they're giving Judge some of the players that he needs finally to operate the system. And that defense was good last year without a lot of those player-specific guys too.
0: Well, then let me ask you how far the Judge influence goes going forward. Judge was not in place when the Giants selected Daniel Jones as their quarterback. That was a uh, general manager selection. And if he seceded some uh, influence on the roster to his coach who earned it last year off the season he had, how is that going to play at QB this year? I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. I'm on record. I think that he was overdrafted where he was. Yes, he's had some great days where you go, damn, this guy's a quarterback. But he's also been one of the worst in the National Football League at taking care of the football. I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist when it comes to Daniel Jones. How's the quarterback situation going to play out in New York this year? Because they went out and got him enough weapons. He's got the weapons to succeed. It's now on him. Do you think Daniel Jones sinks or swims?
7: Oh, well, it's a great, uh, it's a great question. I love what they did and kind of, you know, saying, okay, you know, go get it, you know, and I think that this is the perfect scenario for judge because Jones has all the weapons, you kept the offensive coordinator probably begrudgingly a little bit, but you know, to keep the system in place for him. And if he sinks at this point, you can do with the Bears and the Jaguars with Blake Bortles and a lot of these other teams didn't have the luxury of doing, which is pull the plug before it gets too late, you know, and you start sinking too many assets into it. And I think that if Judge starts winning some games, I think he starts to win those arm wrestling matches a little bit more and he can move on from a player like Daniel Jones. And I think that this is going to be a great evaluation period for him because you have not only like some of the good, uh, you know, ancillary weapons, but Kenny Galladay was the best 50-50 ball receiver in the NFL. Like he's going to make you better just by virtue of beating up on defensive backs and winning those battles. And if Jones can't find himself in the top 15 this year, I think you have every right to move on from it at this point, because that's one of the best set of weapons in the NFL. Like forget about the division. I mean, that's probably a top five or six group of receivers that you have there in tight ends.
1: Yeah, uh, Connor. We're talking with Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated, SI.com. Check him out. Monday Morning Quarterback. His draft grades did a lot of great work uh, about the NFL draft as a whole. Do you want to get shipped you towards the Eagles here, starting with Devonte Smith at number ten overall. Obviously, it was an interesting trade because it's it's an all NFC East thing. The Eagles go up with the Cowboys, and they jump up over the Giants, who presumably. Would have taken Devontae Smith. So uh your thoughts on the pick, 166 pounds, a lot of talk about that. Durability concerns, only from that uh standpoint, because he's been on the field in Alabama and he's produced.
7: Yeah, I think the weight thing is is just one of those pre-draft things that we will um, probably never think of again. You know, I, I think that it's just one of those storylines. You know, I talked to a few um, people who've had connections to teams in their, you know, strength and conditioning departments about Devonta Smith, and the consensus is, there are so many times when teams try to tinker with guys' natural biomechanics, try to make them bigger or smaller than they need to be, and that's when you run into problems, you know. And Smith is a Heisman Trophy winner. He's incredibly productive at 166 pounds the cornerbacks that he was facing in the sec are among the best that he's you know they're better than some of the players that he's going to face in the nfc east this year like let's let's be real about that especially when you're playing like the giants but um so i think he's going to be able to get off the line he's going to be able to win those battles he's he's overcome his genetics already you know to get to this point and so you're always going to be able to find other ways to do that but I was fascinated by the fact that the Eagles actually landed him because that was probably the most open secret in the NFL draft. They wanted one of the two Alabama guys. I, I think they probably had a preference, but their dream scenario there was to take either Waddle or Smith. And if they didn't get him, they were going to trade back to where they were more comfortable in the cornerback range, hopefully deeper in the into the first round. That was always the plan for them. And, you know, I was surprised that the Giants didn't just try to get up one pick um because I bet they would have preferred Devonta Smith I was surprised that the Cowboys let them there you know and I've been thinking about that for the last two or three days and the only thing I can come up with is that maybe Jerry Jones preferred um you know that the Eagles have him at this point maybe they couldn't maximize him as much as the Giants could at this point in that group of receivers I'm not really sure but you know that's certainly not that was attributed I think uh the guys in the draft broadcast were saying well this is just new wave GM thought but I don't think so. I think this is kind of just one of those strange things that uh, I, I'm not 100% sure why it happened.
0: And that's one where you would want it to be a fly on the wall in the war room for the conversation to We see both sides and how the thinking went down. Uh, about the Eagles this upcoming season, new offensive coordinator, new offensive coaching staff in general. Uh, Doug Peterson, after his uh, uh, release had come down, a lot of report stories that at times his play calling was second guess. He would called into the owner's office every week to talk about, why'd you run the football here? That they're a pass-centric, owner-driven team. Nick Sirianni's going to come in here and throw the ball all over the lot. Or so we think. Um, They did add a running back in the draft this week and already have Miles Sanders here. How do you think the Eagles' run-pass ratio is going to look over the first half of this upcoming
7: season? I don't think it's going to be that drastically different. I mean, you know, I I, I would have a hard time envisioning Jalen Hurts throwing the ball 30 plus times a game. I mean, that seems like an awful lot to me. That's a lot to put on the plate of anybody and especially a guy that only started a handful of games last year. Um, but it's an interesting place. You know, I, I think that when the Eagles were at their best, when they went to the Super Bowl, you know, I, Peter, my old boss, Peter King, and I got to go and hang out with them after they beat the Patriots and, and see how they came up with a lot of their play calls. And at their best, they were super collaborative. They had, you know, Frank Reich would add a piece of this. Um, Doug Peterson would add a piece of this. John D. Filippo would add a piece of it, and I think that's what they lost over time when the staff got picked apart. And so, if you're Nick Sirianni, the the challenge is to integrate a lot of the stuff they did well, but. You know, to kind of keep yourself honest, too, you know, because I think Doug Peterson certainly had his faults, but he knew that there was a limit to what he could come up with. And, you know, he was willing to pull the room. He was willing to get opinions from other guys. And I think that'll be Sirianni's biggest challenge is to sort of diversify it, because that Colts offense, the Frank Reich offense is is good. It's fine on its own, but I, I think you need some, uh, you know, you need some more opinions there. And so, hopefully, he can kind of integrate the rest of his staff and and get some some other thoughts on that.
1: Connor, when you look at the skill position talent here, and you add Bonte Smith to a receiving corps that was, you know, historically inefficient, if you think about the modern NFL environment. The Eagles haven't had a receiver with over 600 yards in two consecutive years. That's astonishing to me. So sort of the ripple effect, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, whoever that third receiver ends up being, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell. Is this enough skill position talent to barely evaluate Jalen Hurts as a quarterback?
7: that's a great question. It's the same question. I think a lot of people are asking about Jared Goff in Detroit. And I think that situation is far more dire since skill posi- on the skill position front than, than what the Eagles are facing. But I don't know. And, and it's hard because you don't know if they necessarily, you know, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but you don't know if they necessarily care. Right. I mean, they, they might have three first round picks next year in a draft and that's enough ammunition to get any quarterback they want. If, uh, if, if they don't see what they want from Jalen hurts. And so I, I think it's probably close to being enough if the system is called the right way. You know, if we see um if we see some stuff that he's familiar with from college that puts him in a little bit more of a comfortable situation, then I could see that being enough. You got guys that can win. Um, you know, and Smith is gonna add a lot to that. I think Rieger is better than um than he showed last year, and I think that he he can get off to a good start there. I wonder what they'll do with Ertz at this point. You know, I, I had heard yeah. that they were gonna trade him before the draft, I thought he was going to be in Buffalo by now, to be honest, or Indianapolis. But, you know, if they hold on to him, maybe that's another way of saying, hey, you know, we, we, we really think that Hertz is going to be this guy. And tight ends are really the greatest gift that you can give a quarterback who has less than 18 to 20 starts because they're perfect for those, you know, mid-range throws if you need to just kind of get the ball out of your hands. Speaking of uh,
0: Frank Reich and Indianapolis, you reminded me to ask you about the Colts and their draft little surprised they didn't get more weapons uh took a tight end in the fourth round and another wide receiver out of that powerhouse charleston in the seventh round (laughs) didn't quite give carson extra bullets for the gun as you can well uh, assume uh, we talk a lot about carson wentz here on birds 365 I i didn't think the colts did much upgrading they were one of the teams that i couldn't make an argument for that they had a good draft and got better with it. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Colts draft?
7: I think that they almost did need to go edge there though. And, and the problem was, you know, Matt Eberflus, their defensive coordinator has been doing so much with so little for so long that I think he probably would have flipped the table over if he didn't get another edge rusher at this point, because really it was DeForest Buckner and a bunch of guys there and, you know, Quiddie pay at least gives you, um, you know some presence there off the edge and and can help you diversify the system and do some different things there. I think that the you know the weapons are okay. I mean, you know, you have Zach Pascal and, and Paris Campbell and and those guys are good enough. You know, you have two you have two good receiving backs, and then Jack Doyle I think is is a good tight end. I still think that you know I still think they could be in play for Zach Ertz. I, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if they weren't weren't in play for Zach Ertz at this point. But I think if you're the Colts you think that you've built something. I mean, your offensive line is still pretty good. Um, You have a good running game. You have a great play caller. And, you know, if you're evaluating Carson Wentz and deciding whether you want to lock him up long-term and keep him as a starter, he's got to win with guys like this, you know. And uh, that's sort of the knock on him last year is kind of how quickly the Eagles sunk when things went south. And, you know, you want to see him battle back a little bit and win. But I think that their personnel, their receivers, and their running backs are – a clear upgrade from what the Eagles had last year, certainly. Um, And I think that, you know, they're hoping that should be enough for him.
1: The one concern with me, Connor, with the Indianapolis Colts is left tackle. They still haven't addressed left tackle. Could they consider still moving Quentin Nelson, who to me is the best guard in football? uh, Could they kick him outside? uh, Or are they just going to try to cobble it together piecemeal? Um, guess that's important, obviously, for Carson Wentz.
7: Yeah, I think you keep Quentin there. There's, there's been a lot of um, thought in that, you know, e- even if you asked around about any of the guys in this year's class, any of the tackles moving to guard or any of the guards moving to tackles, there's a lot of thought that unless you're that pure cross-trained hybrid guy in college to keep you at your position of comfort at this point. And, you know, I think that the kind of the – football group think there is shifting in that direction. I think they want to keep Quentin Nelson at guard, but you got to remember too, there's a lot of good guys out there still. I mean, Eric Fisher is still unsigned. Mitchell Schwartz is still unsigned. You know, there's some guys there. They might go recruiting in, in a little bit, see how everybody holds up in camp and then, uh, and then go grab someone like that. That wouldn't be shocking to me at this point, but they, they are going to have to make a move um, because you can't put yourself and, and Wentz in the same position that Andrew Luck was in, where by the time you have some a roster, that's good enough to compete your quarterback is, is too beat up to function
0: kind of got asked about this because it was the major topic of conversation leading up to the draft and that's the quarterbacks at the top how high how high was it going to be before all five of them came off and it ends up mac jones slips down to the patriots at 15 who said thank you very much and took him uh but you get five guys off the board in the first 15 picks superior quarterback class the thing that intrigues me the most is Justin Fields. I thought he was being undersold throughout the draft process. I thought of him as the second best QB, second best player in the draft behind only Trevor Lawrence. He goes all the way down to the Bears at number 11. I think he's got a chance to be an outstanding NFL quarterback. He goes to a place with a lot of pressure, but they also haven't had a Pro Bowl franchise changing type quarterback since Sid Luckman in the 50s. So, for me, he's got a chance to be their best quarterback in 70 years. And a lot of people graded out the Bears as one of the best drafts in the league, I think mainly because of Justin Fields. How did the narrative change? Because up until the Bears called out his name, I thought he was being undersold. And then all of a sudden, the Bears have the best draft because of Justin (laughs) Fields. What happened? All you guys hated him all week long. How did the the coin turn on Justin Fields? (laughs)
7: Well, I think you're right. I think he was being undersold. And, you know, I heard the same things that everybody else heard leading up to the draft that, you know, this was, this was going to be a mistake. You know, this was going to be a guy that you wouldn't want. And, you know, I think that's just a product of that pre-draft chatter that just gets out of control and takes on a life of its own at some point. I mean, look at how many of us you know, I had Trey Lance until midnight before my, uh, on, the, on the, mock draft and I changed it because yeah. I was like, gosh, everybody's saying Mac Jones, I must be wrong. I must be crazy. And of course that's what happens when you listen to other people. Um, but, um, you know, I think that fields is good. I think that there are coaches out there who saw him, like you said, as the second best quarterback in this draft. I think if he would have stayed in college and came out, he probably would have been the number one overall pick next year. And so if you're Chicago, you cut the line there and, uh, And you get a great quarterback. I like the pairing because look at all the things that Matt Nagy had to do to stand on his head and make this offense work with Mitch Trubisky. And he made the playoffs twice with Mitch Trubisky. Um, You know, you had all these gadget plays. You had running backs and tackles throwing passes because that's what you needed to do to get by. And at (laughs) this point, Justin Fields, you don't have to do that. You know, he's he's tremendously accurate. He's mobile. It adds a dimension to the Bears offense that they haven't had before. So I think it's great. And then to come back and get – maybe my favorite or second favorite uh, left tackle in the draft um, in the second round. I, I thought that was just a, a banner day for, for Chicago. I thought they, they couldn't have been more thrilled about the way this weekend worked out.
1: Connor, that second tier of quarterbacks, I think we're at eight, which was an NFL record, the Super Bowl era through, through day two. So yeah, Kyle Trask goes to a great situation where he can sit and learn uh, Kellen Mond. I believe goes to Minnesota Davis mills really important pick for the Houston Texans for obvious reasons. And Deshaun Watson and, and, and that legal situation, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, what do you think that second tier, do you think uh, anybody has a real chance to develop into a, a legitimate NFL star?
7: Yeah, I think there was a ton of momentum behind Kellen Mond, um, uh, you know, after his pro day and, He was really interesting because you know when a lot of these guys go out and get the quarterback gurus to coach them through the preseason, uh, through the draft prep season, and then organize their pro days. Kellen Mond didn't hire anybody he went and he watched a bunch of NFL games. He wrote down all the hardest routes that quarterbacks have to throw. And he did them all from under center when the scouts came and said, this is exactly what you're going to need me to do. And uh, you don't think I can do any of this, but watch this. And he killed it. And I think that that really changed the perception on him. I mean, he was a sixth round pick. And then all of a sudden teams are talking about him being the, the sixth quarterback off the board. Um, and he just flexed a lot of muscles that I don't think teams knew he had. Plus, you know that he's mobile. And so Minnesota, there's a lot of attraction there because you've had Kirk Cousins for so long. You kind of know your limitations there. I could see him kind of knocking on the door of, of, of a job at some point if they continue to not struggle. Because I, I do think Kurt, uh, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. But uh, like San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo, at some point, you kind of know your limitations in the offense with a guy. And I think that Mond is uh, is interesting there.
0: Maybe I think about wagering too much because I gave John an over-under potential wager earlier in the show. Now I'm going to give one to you. Over-under number of games started by Deshaun Watson for the Houston Texans this year. I'm putting it at one half. One half game. <laughs> any chance that you actually take the under on that that Deshaun Watson will not be in the Texans uniform either because of legal issues and or because he's traded to another team
7: I think there's zero chance he plays a game for the Texans that this year and that's just me I, you're I just, taking the under on one half I am yeah I yes. just I I don't I, I just don't see it and again I mean that we have an ocean of uh, legal information that we should uh, take our time to wade through, and I hope the NFL takes their time to wade through. Um, and, but I, I just think that the the Davis Mills pick was far too indicative of what the Texans are hearing internally. I mean, that team needed so much help; still does need so much help, and with the most draft, the best draft equity that you're going to have. Um, you took a quarterback when you already had Tyrod Taylor. And I think that said probably all it needed to say um, about that. I mean, Mills is a good high upside guy, but you need everything. You need offensive line help. You need receivers. You need tight ends. You need defensive line help. And and they chose to kind of go with a quarterback there. And it, to me, that just, I think, says all it needs to say.
1: Now, I got to lock you down here, Connor. And, and read Connor at SI.com. This is going to be my last one. But first, before I get to that, You said under for the Houston Texans. I want to lock you down. Could he play over a half game for anybody else? Could he be traded, say, be suspended for six
7: games? Would you still go under? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, the the league process is so up in the air, and that's part of the problem is, you know, even if you try to get a handle on what a suspension might look like, it's, I think it's hard because some of these suspensions have been all over the place. There've been guys who have sat for a year. Um, There've been guys who have, uh, you know, been out for two games for six weeks, you know, and uh, we just don't know anything at this point. I think I would, you know, I would lean on the fact that teams, there are probably still some teams out there that are probably willing to make that deal. If it becomes available, although um, the problem is, at this point, it's far less than it was before, right? You know, there, once you got to the draft and once teams kind of collected their guys and became a little less desperate for upgrades at the position, even though Deshaun is an upgrade over everybody, but probably four or five quarterbacks in the NFL, I just don't think other teams have the equity to make the trade happen at this point. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I can't... See it's a good question. I, I just can't envision anything at this point until the, until the legal stuff is cleared out, you know, and, and cause I think there's just still so much we don't know and, yeah. you know, so much work that the NFL is hopefully doing uh, on the investigative front to, to get to the bottom of this.
0: All right. And, since we're having so much fun talking about disgruntled quarterbacks <laughs> and wagering on their locations, I'll give you this uh, choice, Connor. You can either take the green Bay Packers Or you can take the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders. Or you can take the rest of the field. Las Vegas Raiders. 29. What (laughs) did I say? I went to Oakland still? Damn it. Las Vegas Raiders. Or you can take the rest of the field, the other 29 teams in the National Football League, Uh, as to where Aaron Rodgers will be starting this year. I guess I should add retirement in there. Zero Mm -hmm. teams is a fourth choice. He doesn't play. He's the host of Jeopardy! (laughs) Give me your location of Aaron Rodgers
7: this upcoming season. I think it's Green Bay. I think this is a lot of posturing, and you know he's better than anybody else at letting the smoke out when there's a, when there's a chance to to make the top story on ESPN. And the Packers know this. Um, they've dealt with this roller coaster ride before. And to be honest, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I'm saying go ahead and go play for Pat Shermer, go play for John Gruden, and see how quickly you're going to walk back to Wisconsin to play in this offense because every quarterback wants to play in this offense. Um, And Aaron Rodgers is obviously a tremendous, unbelievable talent and he's elevating that offense to a place that we haven't seen before, but those leaked destinations on uh, the afternoon of the draft, I understand he wants to be on the West coast. It's easier for him to pursue that uh, post career, which is great. And I think every player should, should have an opportunity to do that. Um, But, I think Aaron Rodgers is a competitor uh, first and foremost. And I think he knows that that's the best place for him, um, even though they haven't quote unquote provided him with enough weapons, even though I think Devontae Adams and, you know, uh, all those guys are pretty good too. Yeah. Well,
1: Aaron, uh, I do one circle back to Kellen Mond, because she said something interesting about quarterback coaches, personal coaches, I wonder, it's not just the quarterback position. Your thoughts around the league? Because I talked to Jeff Stoutland about Jordan Milata once. And, you know, that is the maybe the biggest project in the NFL, starting from literally ground zero, never played a down of football. And he didn't want other coaches messing with what he taught Jordan Milata. How does the league look at this sort of cottage industry of personal coaches? At, at different positions?
7: It's a good question. Um, I'm, I have a story coming out in a couple of weeks on on something that kind of touches on this, but I'll say that there in the past, it was a lot harder um, for teams. I think it's getting easier now because there are so many ways that you can give a player a concrete plan going into the offseason and say, like, I know you're going to go work with somebody else here's what you tell them to do. And if they're telling you something else, I'm going to know about it when you get back and then, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. And so I think that there's a lot of ways around that. Now I actually think you're seeing a little bit more harmony between the training staffs and the players than you have in the past. Um, That said um, I think some of these guys are doing more good than harm. Like if you look at uh, Duke Mayweather, the offensive line guy, I think he's had some incredible classes of guys come through there and especially you know guys that might just need a little bit of seasoning uh, you know uh, uh, miners who uh, went to the Broncos you know just kind of guys like that you need to get your hands on a little bit and just get them a little bit of seasoning I think they're incredibly useful for stuff like that I think all the other stuff is is hot air you know I think uh, you know the these qu- the quarterback tutoring guys I think do a nice job you know at just preparing them, teaching them how to study, teaching them, you know, how to behave at the next level. And and that's certainly valuable, but I do think at times we probably make too much out of it in general, uh, in terms of like, you know, oh, well he had this guy before the draft and he had this guy. So I would rather draft this guy. And, you know, I, I think some of that stuff is a little overblown. Now, the third point there is that, Kyle Shanahan sent Trey Lance to his best friend, John Beck, who is has a burgeoning business there. And, you know, that was a big part of the evaluation. He wanted Beck's eyes on Trey Lance constantly for a long period of time. And whatever intel he got back there must have informed him in the process. So it's interesting. It's kind of all over the board. But I think some of these guys help, and and some of them probably are better at talking about how much they help.
0: <laughs> Connor, last one. Um, and it's always – grabs my attention. If I hear has never happened before, it grabs my attention immediately. A tight end has never been drafted in the number four spot in the NFL draft. Philly kid, Kyle Pitts. Some Eagle fans were up in arms when the Eagles traded down from saying, we're going to miss out on Kyle Pitts. No, you didn't, because he went <laughs> four uh, coming off the board. I fielded several calls last night on my national radio show about Kyle Pitts from he's going to revolutionize the tight end position to how the hell did the Falcons not take a quarterback at number four? Matty Ice, another Philly kid, is done. What you read on Kyle Pitts? What is his upside is he going to be able to get the Falcons and improved status in the league as soon as his first year in the league?
7: Yeah, I think it's a great move for the Falcons because you're essentially just getting a, a slightly heavier X receiver that you're going to get to pay as a tight end throughout his career. And you're probably going to use him more like an X receiver anyway. And if you look at the disparity, the George Kittle contract kind of caught, tight ends up a little bit. Now it's like a $7 million difference in average per year. But if you're Atlanta, who cares? You can line this guy up all over the field. You were going to do that anyway. Um, let him uh, beat up on small cornerbacks. He's going to be a matchup nightmare everywhere. I'm going to be interested to see how many times he actually lines up, you know, in line, you know, right. and, and, you know, next to a tackle, I would, I doubt it. It's going to be a whole lot. Um, I think he's a better blocker than he's given credit for, but in this offense, they're going to let him rip and they're going to want him to get yards after the catch. It's going to be, um, like a combination of George Kittle and, and, you know, I don't know who are some of the better X receivers the 49ers have had over the years, but I think it's, um, I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, I, I think that they're going to, um, revolutionize the position Maybe, but I, I don't know how much of a tight end he was to begin with. You know, I think that this guy was always kind of just a bigger uh ex receiver with great size. And so I, I think it's a great move for the Falcons from a lot of different perspectives.
0: Sounds like an argument to be had down the road as to what position he plays for uh tag purposes. Yeah, We will yeah. we will certainly be getting you back on well before we ever get to that, which is years down the road. Great insight today, Connor. We appreciate you hopping on board with us. Thanks much.
7: Thank you guys. Appreciate it.
0: My, Our pleasure. Connor Orr, uh, Sports Illustrated National Columnist. Uh, really good. Giving us some good insight here. All right, John and I will be back. We'll put a bow on the show. Come back to watch us close out. Birds 365.
2: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods.
3: field of life first trust bank is there for you
5: Seven, four, three. One, two, three. because
3: philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank the international brotherhood of electrical workers local union 98 is a proud sponsor of the labor show with jay Doc and krause every saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m ibew local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry so when you're planning your next industrial commercial or residential project choose an ibew local 98 union contractor learn more at ibew98.org
4: the light from a star can take millions of years to reach earth so when you look at a star you're looking back in time but I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history.
5: Jody Mad. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
0: He is. John McMillan, I am Jordan McDonnell. We are the MackleMack Guys. This is Birds 365. want to thank both Connor Orr and Paul Donwich, two real good guests today. Uh, guys brought a lot to the table when they hopped on board with us. Uh, Johnny Mac, you do every single day, and I uh, am perusing your uh, Philly Voice uh, column today about the Eagles staying true to their t- DNA, which they did. Not in the first round, and that's what you and I argued with. Uh, for weeks leading up to because I thought they were going corner or wide receiver, which they did. But they got back to their DNA with all their picks thereafter, even their free agent signing after the fact undrafted kids. Um, the one that I'm not sure about yet. I, I like the fact that they did go for the home run hitter with their first round. I'm good with the fact that they stuck to their DNA thereafter. I still don't know how they feel about linebackers. We've got a new defensive coordinator and a whole new defense. Jim Schwartz had some very uh, strengthy beliefs about what linebackers' uh, value is in this league. Not much. Uh, Don't know Mm -hmm. if that's going to change with the new defensive coach and the new defensive staff. And with their moves, I don't know what to make out of their uh, evaluation of linebacker and how important it is. And now they're going to be deployed. And something we'll probably talk about more in length uh, tomorrow because we're running out of time here. I just wanted to get your first impression. What do linebackers on the Philadelphia Eagles mean?
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody knows. I think you bring up a good point. The the only inkling I get is the Eagles moved janard Avery from defensive end to linebacker, uh, made that clear in the offseason, season. And they drafted uh, Patrick Johnson in the seventh round, which doesn't mean much, but he was an edge player uh, in college. And uh, they're moving him to linebacker. So maybe they have a different philosophy when it comes to the strong side guy. Maybe they want uh, more of a blitzer there. And, and then the kid from LSU, uh, Jacoby Stevens, was a safety essentially. They listed him as a linebacker. So. Right. Maybe they're also looking for that hybrid-type player. Uh, Damo mentioned the three-safety look, the big nickel look, whatever you want to call it, the positionless player that we always talk about. Everybody talks about it, Jody. You hit the nail on the head. I'm going to give you credit for this. With JOK, and you brought up Isaiah Simmons, everybody saw how Arizona struggled to get him involved. You mentioned that. And all of a sudden, JOK falls from, you know, top 15 potentially to second round because people can't figure out how to use these guys. They talk about it. It's similar to what I said about Kadarius Tony on the offensive side. When you have that weird kind of bit as a coach, it's tough to remind yourself to get to it when the bullets are flying so to speak. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Sometimes that guy is
0: a stone cold difference maker. If you figure it out, if you come up with the pieces around him that allow him to be a freelancer, then he can be an MVP-type candidate. But if you don't, then you have this tremendous athletic talent that you're Kind of like watching Withering on the Vine. And that puts a lot of pressure on the coaching staff. But uh, that's what coaching staff should want. They should want the pressure to try and come up with guys that can make the team great. All right, brother. We be out of time. Good show today. Enjoyed it, as I have each of the 21 shows we've
1: done. Uh, we'll do number 22 tomorrow. Is that good by you? Hey, Kyle Shanahan, I said it. We're here. We're still here. Day <laughs> to day, Jody. Maybe. We'll I be think here we're going to do it. it.
0: We'll be here tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. Next week, we'll figure out. But uh, we'll be here for the rest of the week. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Don't forget, go to the YouTube channel, click on the uh, feature that uh, tells you about where you can win that Devonta Smith jersey. We're giving yeah, away Yeah, subscribe
1: 10- to the YouTube page. We're giving out 10 Devonta Smith jerseys. Share the show and, hey, Birds 365. sixty five. We're, we're having a great time. We've
0: got to check the description of the show on the YouTube channel. Make sure that you are subscribed and then you are entered. Uh, we're looking forward to giving away the Devonta Smith jerseys next Wednesday when they reveal the NFL schedule. We'll be talking about it all week this week and leading up to it next week as well. We appreciate you tuning in to the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365.
2: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.